Hello friends, you might have noticed us talking a lot about AI and productivity lately. Now it's time to walk the talk. We have partnered with Samsung to show you what their latest and most capable phone, Galaxy S24 Ultra, can do in your busy everyday life. For example, we ourselves are using Samsung's transcript assist capabilities to transcribe and summarize the conversations with our guests. And you can do it too in your meetings. It captures the voice perfectly and you will not need to spend any time trying to distill the essence from the presentation that your boss is giving on synergy, being a family and thinking outside the box, you know, those things. Samsung also offers another cool feature that I've not seen anywhere else, live translate. This means you can call any phone, even a landline from your Galaxy device and it will do live translation to 13 languages, French, Spanish, Italian. We all know many people in those countries don't speak English and now you can book a table in that restaurant in Rome and have full confidence that they actually took down your reservation. And last but not least, you can literally circle to search anything by just circling an object on the screen at any time. Previously, what you had to do, take a screenshot, then you upload it to a search engine, but not anymore. So that jacket someone's wearing on Instagram, just draw a circle around it and your Galaxy AI will find it. So stop wasting your time and brain power on these small everyday things. Head to our LinkedIn page to see how we are using Samsung Galaxy AI ourselves and become a scrappiness machine. Check out samsung.lv as well to find out more. Links in episode notes. Once a week, the latest in tech and business from a uniquely Baltic perspective. How do global developments affect us north of the wall? And what can we do to make our mark on the world from here? FinTech CEO Oldis Terodkans and digital marketer Giannis Zebs share their own wins and fuck-ups while managing teams, products, and businesses. They interview a lineup of guests worth listening to and bring you answers that will help you in your own pursuit of scrappiness. If you're looking for facts and actionable insights about the technologies shaping our world and the people behind them, come along for the ride. Hey, 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 welcome everybody. All the startup counts here with my co-host Janis Zeps. Uh, this is the Pursuit of Scrappiness podcast, and we're joined today by Tuoms Nipparts from Jeff App. Hi, Tuoms. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. Janis, uh, how are you feeling today? I'm uh, feeling good. No reason to complain. I, I just spent, um, um, I think, four weeks in a much uh, sunnier and, and warmer place, so I have enough energy for uh, for at least four next four weeks. Uh, so some, some blazer action, I've heard that's a thing now. So a lot of clients of mine living in Bali and, and other nice places and uh, and working from there. Uh, not, not not so much the leisure part, but actually tested uh, remote work on my skin. Um, very happy. Awesome. Tuoms, you you calling in from your main base or, or, or somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. We, I am calling in from Riga, Latvia. I think same place where you are at. Which, which is kind of ironic because we have some part of the team permanently based in much sunnier places. True, We're, we'll return to that. But so let me give you my best uh, introduction uh, f- for you, Tuoms. So, so Tuoms is CEO and co-founder of uh, Jeff App, which is a lending matchmaker. Their primary market is in Southeast Asia. They started in Vietnam and now also expanding into other countries. Um, basically, what they do is is make sure it's convenient for for clients to to find the offers from different lenders on an app, um, open up more borrowing opportunities for uh, for underbanked people by by providing also scoring. If I if I get it right. And uh, and basically conquering Asia from uh, from the Baltics, which is uh, which is pretty awesome. So how did I do, Tom's? Yeah, thank you. That's that's uh, quite accurate. Uh, and yeah, in in a nutshell, we are uh, building a solution which allows people uh, to use their digital footprint and uh, access financial services because this is a real massive problem in emerging markets. And yeah, given my uh, history and uh, that of some of my colleagues, we we just happen to know a thing or two about that part of the world. Uh, And yeah, so we we just wanted to challenge ourselves and build something in the fintech space that uh, goes uh, beyond uh, good old lending, if you will. 
All right. So, so before that, you were a couple of years in peer-to-peer lending, right? And uh, and we actually know each other from SSC Riga times. And if I'm not mistaken, then we actually met on an SSC Riga paintball tournament, and and uh, you needed a lift home, and and I remember uh, driving you, or maybe it was the vice versa, and you gave me a lift. That that part is uh, is a bit hazy, but uh, but yeah, all all SSC Riga products here talking today. Yeah, that matches my memory as well. So, so, but if you r- roll the film back, I think it was eight or nine years ago. So, time flies. Uh, indeed, indeed. So, you already briefly touched upon on uh, on what you guys are doing, but maybe you can tell us how did you get involved in in fintech in the first place, and uh, and and what really triggered you to to come up with this idea. Sure, glad to. So, uh, yes, as, as you probably know, uh, both of you and uh, to those in attendance, uh, uh, SSC Riga is a small university that's quite focused and on all things finance and, and uh, economics. So it is kind of in the DNA of most graduates to be curious about this, uh, this, this vertical, if I may say so. And uh, to me personally, it was about uh, realizing the fact I'm uh, not the most passionate uh, and obviously not the most talented guy when it comes to uh, regressions or econometrics or uh, doing the best things with advanced computations, if you will. Uh, instead of uh, that, uh, kind of always knew there was this entrepreneurial side, of, uh, side inside of me. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to research a domain that had... Uh, relatively few people around uh, the Baltics and not only who understand this this domain to its core. Uh, that happened to be crowdfunding. Uh, fast forward, I wrote my thesis on that. Uh, some guys with fintech business approached the SSC faculty to uh, recommend some people who might know a thing, a thing or two about crowdfunding and uh, that's how I connected with my uh, future uh, bosses, which eventually became my partners, and yeah, so 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 that was uh, a, a really uh, unexpected but lucky turn of events. That's how things happen in life. That you know, you do good things, and uh, good things happen to you. So uh, so, but then you know, if I remember correctly, you were doing uh, this in Spain and and, and um, out of Spain also in some other European markets. Um, and then the next time I speak to you, you're telling me that, hey, I am uh, launching this uh, app in Vietnam. I'm like, what? So so where where is the, this transition happen? Well, I'm missing a link here. Yeah. Uh, so that, that is, again, I would say all about curiosity and uh, uh, really understanding how you deal with things that you don't know or that are n- new to you. Uh, to to summarize it, uh, and yeah, uh, what, what you mentioned about P two P, that was the first project in fintech where I got my hands on. Uh, I, I was uh, involved in startups for a while before, and uh, even though it was n- uh, nothing related to fintech, uh, I happened to work with some of the best uh, software developers in this segment. Uh, and in that other startup. So I kind of, between the lines, learned a lot about uh, how this system works from the back end. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, we basically connected with this gentleman through SSC. Uh, they needed to build out a f- uh, fundraising vehicle for their lending businesses in Spain. And it is effectively what we did. So we, we, we uh, basically, yeah, created a... Uh, peer-to-peer lending marketplace, which had clients from all over Europe. Uh, within like three years, we went to 100 million euros in uh, investments processed. And uh, in parallel, we got uh, some change of shareholders. Other events happened, and, and that basically uh, learned uh, lured me to Asian markets and then the allowed to understand that part of the world from within so there there, there is more to tell to the story but uh yeah i, I, I feel like uh, I, I might be talking for a while not sure if it makes sense so far no sure it does i mean uh, you still didn't answer though why vietnam 
Sure. So, so with with those new shareholders of, of the business, we uh, we kind of got involved. Uh, there was an existing business, and then I get my hands to kind of explore it from within. Uh, talking about Asia and uh, active operations took place in Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines, and things got started in India. So that those were four markets in that part of the world. Uh, that's where I discovered the opportunity that uh, if people come and ask for financial services in, let's say, Latvia or Spain or any other developed market, they have financial history, they have transactions to their name, they have credit bureau records. In those markets, you don't have that. So uh, to give you some statistics, around 70% of people in Vietnam don't have bank accounts. Close to 90% don't have credit history. So this brings to a problem that people are declined access to financial services, not because they are of high risk, but because you cannot really analyze and uh, do credit scoring on them. Uh, so yeah, and then this uh, this brought me to the revelation that you can do tremendous things with digital footprint, such as your uh, smartphone metadata, your behavioral patterns, uh, literally any third-party data you can get your hands on. Uh, but at the same time, it is very costly for any individual bank or lender to have all this infrastructure in place. Uh, so yeah, this this basically opened my uh, uh, solution part of, in the head that you need to combine this with an existing solution in the market, which happens to be loan brokerage. So and yeah, getting back to your question about Vietnam, uh, we saw Indonesia presenting the biggest opportunity. Uh, and uh, we understood that regulator is quite uh, strict. So we wanted to get our feet on the ground in, other, in another country in the region. And looking at our network and then the market outlook, we just lean towards Vietnam. That's a good point, actually. How do you get your feet on the ground in completely, you know, another country? Like uh, you guys probably had to, you know, start hiring a team or, or did you have a local partner there? I mean, what's your uh, what's your take on this for, for, for somebody else maybe listening who's, who's willing to explore? But obviously without like, a, you know, a good local presence, uh, probably from here i mean it's 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 not going to work so i would assume you guys had to have some somebody there um you know maybe your you know a partner or first hire maybe you can walk us through how that started yeah so that's that's a fair point obviously uh we started looking for local hire pretty early before we actually went in the market. But at the same time, uh, these things that uh, I had learned about the market, uh, I, I learned uh, those things from uh, you know local entrepreneurs, local fintech uh, CEOs or other key people. Uh, and some of those happened to be my former colleagues. And uh, through them, I just, you know, I went out there, asked for intros, who else do you know, with whom else I could talk. And then like uh, this this way, I got to my first five, seven clients, I think. So by the time we onboarded our local manager, we already had like uh, several B2B clients signed. So it was all, all about leveraging the network, uh, shamelessly going out there and asking, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, realizing that mm -hmm. uh, we can... Uh, tremendously combine market opportunity in, in that part of the world with the amazing fintech talent in the Baltics. So those three things uh, would, would kind of summarize how we managed to go on the market. But you you started, I mean, you, you claim in some, some interviews that, that you're you know, like operating for a year, but I guess the project started a bit earlier. It didn't like start smacking the COVID crisis. So, but did you like go to Vietnam before to set this up or, or did you do it already fully remotely or, or how was that? Yeah, so before uh, the, the first landing in Vietnam, uh, things, things were already initiated. We started working the product. So basically, to, to give a full retrospect, uh, we properly started working on this with my co-founder in something like August. Uh, 2019 uh, and that's you know we, we are obviously as you get started you did a lot of things uh, 
uh, wrong way. We did some terrible hires, and then and we had to throw everything out and start from scratch. And uh, yeah, uh, we went uh, actually went on the market with a functional product in January 2020. So in in, in that sense, it it uh, was just before the uh, things went south with with COVID uh, around the world. Uh, but yeah, the fundamentals were put in place uh, before that, of course. But still sounds that you did it very remotely overall. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Like the the first employee for us started in something like March 2020 in Vietnam, I mean. And still, if I look at my operations today, uh, main duty for this guy is to get new partnerships and deals signed. All the other operations, marketing, uh, business intelligence, of course, software development, the big strategic decisions happen mainly from Riga. And again, this this is the beauty of the digital age and uh, balancing the cultural adaption with the high-level skill set. How many people in Vietnam? Uh, right now in our team, you mean? No, no, in general, population of Vietnam. Yeah, so according to latest numbers, I think it's over 97 million. So we, we, we just, you know, as a rule of thumb, call it 100 million population. Yeah, so how do you find one guy to work with you from 100 million people? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a uh, good uh, and then then the you know uh, difficult question. Uh, so for for us, it was really you know uh, when when you go in a new market which you don't know, uh, it it doesn't necessarily need to be Vietnam. It needs to be. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't need to be any specific country. But uh, the point being, you hear a lot about, uh, you know, presumptions and stigmas, which are not necessarily true. This was the case with us as well. So uh, pretty much everyone with whom we talked uh, to gather knowledge said, guys, watch out, watch out. You know, you need to be careful about, you know, what they say to your face and do behind the back, uh, pointing out that trust will be an issue. Uh, well, uh, to to this day, we really haven't had any issues with that, with our staff or otherwise, if we talk about local people. So, I mean, this is maybe something which we paid a lot of attention to in the hiring process, which we could have gone easier on. But getting back to your question, yeah, we did a LinkedIn search. Uh, with with the job ad and with outbound, uh, we came down to some candidates. Uh, then uh, we quickly understood that one real challenge for us is going to be uh, communication, because the average level of English uh, here in Latvia is, uh, at least from our experience, way higher than what you get there. So so that was kind of the first filter. Then we filtered away some people with, with, with uh, practical assignments, and then we did a lot of background checking. So for the guy with whom we ultimately ended up working, uh, we did uh, three screenings with his former uh, bosses. So, so, so that was kind of, you know, uh, a very, very time-consuming process to find those people, get in touch, and, uh, and get them to talk to you for 15 minutes. Yeah, it sounds like you have had a lot of... Um you know, uh, you have spent a lot of time to, to, to figure out how to, you know, how to hire people, how to test them in the, in the interviews. Uh, what are the, you know, I know main principles for you as a, as a CEO, when you look for, uh, for somebody, you know, in a responsible position, uh, what are the uh, other things besides trust that you try to sort of, uh, feel or, or, or test for, or, uh, you know, the, the, the principles that you try to apply when, when, you know, when to say that this, this guy will have to do a lot for our company, he better have this, this and that. Yeah, that's, that's a good point you're making, uh, kind of, uh, through, through so many mistakes over the years, uh, with, with hiring, I've, I've uh, kind of built out a system of mine, if, if you make out so. Uh, the key turning point for that was one of the positions I was hiring for in Spain, uh, when in like, like in two weeks' time, I got 400 applicants for a marketing position. And uh, I was uh, flooded in, in items, because that wasn't obviously the only thing I had to do. Uh, and then I started thinking, even to look at each of those resumes for like a minute or two, it's, it's going to take uh, 
uh, literally uh, almost two weeks of my time. And uh, then I figured out that uh, step one, you, you just automate it. You basically take all those people, use something, I don't know, MailChimp or even go, go as uh, primitive as put them all in BCC, send them an email, something like, dear candidate, thanks uh, for applying couple of uh, simple questions, uh, instructions, let's say, uh, send an email with the subject line, all the star accounts applying for product manager at Jeff app and answer these questions and follow all the other instructions. I was so surprised how many people cannot deal with that simple item. And this, this is kind of, you know, the first filter. If you cannot follow simple instructions mm. and if you cannot pay attention to detail at this stage, when you should show your better uh, image and you know show the most motivation to get hired, you're you're never gonna deliver. You're never gonna produce. So so that's the, that's the first thing that uh, I do for last three or four years, I think. Uh, then uh, there is a practical task uh, because that together with the questions uh, it doesn't maybe so much speak about the skill set as much as it shows about the way of uh, the person thinking so you know if, if I see that I cannot follow the logical path of, of the thought behind the person it is probably going to cause problems down the way so, so that's another uh, orange uh, flag uh, and then, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we, we can talk about skill set, we can talk about uh, many different factors, but it, it, it really comes to two, two other items. Number one, that's ability to execute. And number two, that's ability to explain to me a domain that you know better, but do it in a way that I understand it as an amateur in that field. So I don't know, if, if you say you're the best marketer in the world, but you cannot explain me why we should stick with certain channels, even the metrics that are down now, uh, how they're going to be up in a week or in a month, it's, it's, it's probably mm. not, 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 not going to be uh, uh, fit at the end of the day. So th those are some of the key items. There, there are a couple more, but yeah, I, I hope it answers to the question. Yeah, awesome insights. Yeah, about practical tasks, um, do you do some general stuff or you actually ask to, to some, uh, you know, position specific because, you know, there's a big debate about, you know, time that you ask and, you know, whether that's actually creating some value for the company. I've even heard some people actually paying for the time that, you know, you, you, you ask people to do some homework or is that just, you know, completely you know iq type of uh, task or or, or what, what what how do you do it yeah uh, i i don't think it's a one size fits all if we talk about practical assignments uh, here i talk both about uh, position and the stage of company because you know right right now uh, we are an early stage startup we, we are like, I don't know, 11 people now, I, I think. I, I, I've just lost a specific count because we're now onboarding a new person every week. But uh, uh, at this stage, you know, never in a million years it would cross my mind that uh, I should pay you as a candidate to do a practical task. We are uh, an early stage company with high growth potential. Uh, if you don't want to do the assignment, it means you're not too excited about working with us and if you're not too excited working with us then you shouldn't but uh, getting back to your question uh, we always do position specific and sometimes we even try to kind of uh, just right now we're talking to one uh, really good lady uh, to potentially join our team we didn't have a position for her two weeks ago, but just to, after getting to know her in another hiring process, we realized she's so good, we might build a position around her, not just not to get let her slide. So, but uh, the tasks that we give, they are always uh, related to the position and they are related to the actual challenge or pain point in that position we are experiencing because even if you don't hire the person a worst case scenario you will at least get some uh, valuable ideas and uh, new insights about how to go around it personality fit uh, to almost anything that you kind of 
do you trust your gut feeling on that one? Because sometimes, you know, you, you see a person and you have already a good feeling or bad feeling about that, or you also have some kind of, um, yeah, like principles or things that you that you look for, because I guess it's also, you know, you have to be like, you know, feel good about the person joining your, your team, especially when it's small. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a tricky question. Because, uh, you know, I have uh, not had the opportunity about, uh, you know, thinking about the person, whether I should hire this person and then, you know, finally leaning towards, okay, let's go. Uh, because, uh, you know, it, uh, let's compare it to investing, right? If you are uncertain, uh, answer is no. Well, let's say you're an angel investor, you consider yeah. investing or not investing in a startup. If you are, you know, not, not sure, probably you shouldn't do that. So, so I really uh, convey that to hiring as well. But at the same time, oh, oh you know, it's, it's, it's part of the game. I've had these false positives. Like last year, I had, I think, two people about whom I thought, yeah, this 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 person understands the domain, uh, has relevant experience. You know, we're clicking when we talk from the first conversation. A few months later, yeah, we 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 are without the person with with a bit of a hole uh, with a, with a bit of a, uh, collateral damage to deal with. So you know, you you kind of you know. I I think that's just part of the game. A rule of thumb: it might take three bad hires to get to a good one. And yeah, it's just, you know, like I, I, I used to play hockey back in the day and I love the quote from uh, Wayne Gretzky, you miss. No, it's not Wayne Gretzky or it's Michael Jordan, I don't even know. But point being, you miss all the shots you don't take. Yeah, that might be Wayne Gretzky. Um, I actually like this philosophy and I have also applied myself recently in some cases that when you meet a person that you really love and, and you don't want to let them go, you try and make something happen. You try and figure out how you can how you can get that value because if the person really is as good as you think, that means that that uh, they will contribute to your business so much that you know in a few months' time uh, it will already be kind of resolved. Question whether that was worth the investment, right? So, so I really love this uh, this approach and then try to apply it as much as possible. So. Anything else about about working in uh, Vietnam? Well, first of all, you started in Vietnam. Are you still happy with that decision? And then second is like, was there anything like super positively surprising working in, in, in such exotic place or something extremely negative that you that you uh, came up with in, in your journey? Yeah, uh, I, I think it was a damn lucky decision for us. Because if if you look uh, what happened to the world in the last uh, uh, fifteen months or so, which which is kind of you know I'm I'm now comparing to the period of Jeff active on the market, uh, you know we we all know uh, about about COVID and how how big damage it has left and things changed, but uh, Southeast Asian economies, Vietnam is the only of of those. Uh, uh, I don't know if all the countries, but definitely only one of the bigger markets, which saw its GDP grow every quarter. So, so in that sense, uh, while other markets were uh, cutting down, and then, 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 I don't, I don't know how to put it. Uh, maybe uh, implementing stricter measures and then reducing uh, uh, lending volumes. Uh, we we saw that a bit of a turbulence uh, happened in Vietnam, but after that, it it, it went uh, the same way and it kept growing. So that was very lucky on our part. Uh, and uh, what uh, what what else to say about you know working in, in a such remote exotic market? Well, uh, it's it's probably not so specific about uh, Vietnam, but about any foreign market you you go after. If you are in, let's say, in Baltic startup founders' shoes, <coughs> sorry, I think there are two things. So number one, we definitely should always aim for those bigger markets because uh, any startup. Uh, launching only in Baltics is likely decreasing its odds of, of success kind of drastically. Uh, and number two, uh, 
keeping in mind that you need to respect local culture, kind of use best of the both worlds that you have. In our case, it is realizing we have pretty damn good fintech talent in Baltics, but uh, also realizing by going there and showing uh, all that we know, we're not going to change the market. We're not going to change perceptions and culture. So you need both parts. You, you need to the building and understanding power, as well as you need cultural understanding and adaptability to the local standards. It sounds like you are basically, um, you guys have a lot of offices already, but uh, it sounds like you almost have this remote first culture already before COVID. I was just thinking that, you know, it's a question, Is it is, was it a challenge to sort of, uh, you know, uh, work and onboard those offices and get them, you know, to feel that it's not only people in Riga deciding everything, it's, 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 they can contribute or maybe it wasn't a challenge at all because it sounds like you, you're, you were really kind of remote first almost from, from the beginning. Yeah, so j- just, you know, for, for the sl- sake of clarity, the way we had the plans to open like a permanent office, but then, you know, we, we saw that they, everyone is still working from, from home or wherever they are and then, you know, those those other cities uh, beyond Riga. Uh, and yeah, we, we, we uh, basically didn't uh, need to do any big adjustment and then figuring out how to manage a local facility in that way but other than that uh, i think uh, one thing that is uh, in our dna as a company is really aiming for those t-shaped people so so by that i mean that the person is uh, with a certain amount of knowledge and understanding in many areas but is especially uh, educated and experienced and with deep know-how in one or few uh, verticals. So case in point would be our UX and design guy, who is also uh, not in Latvia. So it, it, it is clear when it comes to design and UX matters, his opinion is uh, leading the way most of the time. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, it is still a rational discussion uh, and yeah, so 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 I, I think it's it's been working like that uh, quite well for us. We understand who is the expert in each of those domains, uh, but at the same time we challenge uh, all the decisions, and everyone has the authority to do so. If uh, in terms of building company culture, um, I think I read in uh, like uh, one of those interviews that that you have on the web, uh, you referred to. Um, uh, ben Horowitz's book about uh, building c- culture. Uh, me and Oles having, you know, being fan of, of of his books as well, being fans of his books. Um, any example uh, that you, you know, have you done anything like uh, like he mentions this crazy example to set like uh, to build a company culture? Anything, anything from that angle that you have uh, done in your company so far, or 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 no need yet to 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 do it, uh, and, and maybe when it gets bigger. Yeah, I think. Uh outside of his books it is you know really be being kind of uh, conscious about uh, where we are and then and what we are as a company and comparing to previous checkpoint even how we have changed and if we have then understanding how or why uh but definitely not not changing our dna for the sake of you know leaving better image for 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 someone you know it is you know there 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 are fun moments when we uh have a one drink too many on a tuesday night when you know we we hit the milestone there are those days when uh curse words fly around and and you know there there is tension but yeah that's 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 kind of you know one one thing that we keep in mind that we shouldn't sacrifice who we are as as a company for for the sake of you know building a, a certain image for someone but if we talk about ben horowitz uh, uh yeah the the, the one thing uh, that i would say uh, describes us is actually from his uh, previous book uh, hard thing about hard things uh, which uh, has this uh, uh, part about giving ground grudgingly so that you know you, you understand you need people, uh, you need to scale in context of team and hiring, but you don't do that as uh, swiftly as the situation might require you to. Uh, 
So, so in in that in that sense, you know, if if, mm. I, if I look at my business, we have uh, seven people in the team. Let's say we want to triple our revenue and open two new markets and do a bunch of other things in the next six months. And we understand that we need twenty people. Okay, let's work towards a roadmap where we go to thirteen, fourteen people, because. Uh, that's that's you know a common truth. Smaller amount of people, it's it's purely easier to manage. Communication, information exchange, this sacrificed less. And uh, I'm a true believer in uh, in uh, this mantra that ten uh, A level players will do way more than twenty B level or forty C level players. So so that's that's one thing we also follow. Yeah, that that sounds like it because when you already told like uh, when before you kind of entered uh, Vietnam, I mean, it took some time for you to start hiring. You could easily imagine other, uh, you know, people in your place who would start with, okay, let's hire, you know, three or four guys there, and then then let's do it. So it's it seems like yeah, you're really kind of sticking uh, stick, sticking to those principles. Um, yeah, very interesting. A question which is dear to my heart in a similar position as you are um, from the. You know, you're transitioning from a chief everything officer to to a CEO, which has, you know, a certain focus. So which are the first things that you're looking to offload to more competent people in the fields? And which are the things that you definitely feel that you have to keep uh, on your on your plate? Yeah, about about offloading, you know, uh it's 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 a question that uh, I I wouldn't classify as uh, you know uh, definitely this or definitely that because you know the to do list and then things that you have to do change uh, daily and then weekly and then the, obviously you need to work on that and then then the, make this kind of to do list not only for yourself but for the whole company so. Basically, whatever low-impact task allows me to do more time for planning and then looking at the big picture, uh, that's 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 uh, that's what I tend to do on a regular basis. But uh, the way I see my role as a CEO is uh, making sure uh, three things uh, are in place: that the culture is not sacrificed, that you have best possible people. Uh, that you can uh, get and uh, that you have made sure that those people can uh, have everything they need at their disposal to do the best job that they can. So so effectively this comes down again to you know culture, hiring and fundraising uh, to me. Uh, but, but of course that's a bit of a, an utopic view. Uh, in, in reality we know that there are 5,000 things in between Indeed, indeed. So what's hot in your business right now? Like what's what's going on? Some product improvements or, or other things that, you know, take most of your time? What would you define as your current central action? Yeah, so it's it's you know it's been almost two years now with you no know, for for a rat race and in that sense uh I honestly don't think there has been a day without checking slack and email and then other main go-to places uh but i think this is nothing that makes me unique in any way comparing to other founders but what is hot is that uh, there are some good news coming out uh, quite soon uh but yeah we've, we've been onboarding new people every week for last i don't know three or four weeks now we have uh, been able to really skyrocket our revenues uh, beginning of this year uh, and in in a sense that you know if if i look at this as a uh, early stage startup which started from zero in january 2020 and we ended the year uh, with uh, almost uh, half a million usd in uh, annual run rate then uh, right now we are we are looking to, at uh, double that uh, pretty much two months later. So 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 this is what you know makes us really excited. Uh, you know when when numbers go up and when new people show up, it it means that business is in the midst of something exciting. 
Indeed, indeed. I mean, it's been a it's been a year which has you know been very favorable to some uh, some industries and some companies, and and I am myself also working in an explosive industry and uh, and have really you know had uh, the kind of. Uh, the the benefit of of being at the right place at the right time so so that you know all the hard work you put in um really pays off mostly if uh, if you get the good opportunity right so so it's uh it's 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 very important to to have this uh, combination uh, another thing uh, you know we could ask it's uh, like as a startup you obviously I mean you know you need growth you need users uh, you also you know you don't want to spend crazy amount of money uh, acquiring those those users any kind of high level tips and and you know growth strategies that uh, you know you 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 can uh, share um, obviously that are not you know confidential but like any any tips for other other similar you know aspiring founders that that you have found that okay this uh, this is a smart way to get users not just you know let's pay 30 dollars uh, for every every sign up yeah that's a fair point you're making uh, uh, i read quite a bit of material uh, before getting started and obviously still do to keep keep myself educated but uh, i think it is under exa- under uh, exaggerated and uh, not even merely advertised as much as it should how big of a pain uh, really go to market and advertising is uh, and in one of these uh, workshops uh, we, we we did last year i heard this great quote it is becoming much easier to build products. It is becoming much harder to sell and market them. So uh, this 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 really stuck with me. And uh, now, if I look back at the last year uh, and then even the previous months, uh, it is what what you answer saying. We have been spending a lot of uh, time and effort and money and then other resources on really how can we improve Google's uh, or Facebook's ROI or ad spend or things like those and you know how to manage cash flow. Maybe we can somehow get a credit line somewhere because you know for for new companies uh, for startups uh, not not necessarily always you know there, there are such options right uh, and uh, yeah then mm. what, what we have realized is that uh, y- you should be best at building your product and understanding your users you shouldn't necessarily be best at marketing. And uh, the solution for us is affiliate marketing. So especially in a country like Vietnam, mm. there is a bunch of you know local um, uh, channels and then local options and people who understand them and have a lot of organic or uh, any other sort of uh, you know potential uh, client base for you. So yeah, just, just figure out a model that uh, is attractive for them uh, doesn't break your uh, unit economics for you. And uh, yeah, it, it, it helps with controlling the acquisition cost. It relaxes your cash flow. Uh, in, and uh, yeah, it simply gives you much more time to focus on your core business. So so those are would be some of the tips we learned the hard way in 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, regarding the product, how do you balance it with your team? So, for example, you know, you could have a, you know, it's obviously it's good to be obsessed about how good the product is. But then again, the, 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 the sort of balance you have to have is, you know, you can't, uh, what was it? I think LinkedIn founder said, like, if you launch, if you launch something that you're not ashamed of, you know, you launch too late and this things like, how do you, how do you balance that sort of thing that, you know, let's get something to the market versus, uh, let's build something that is truly, uh, you know, our users will find it truly cool. I mean, this users will find it really cool. I re- truly believe that's, that's for the stage where, uh, you know, you, you can afford that, uh, right, right now it's, you know, the, bloody cold hard metrics trial and error so i I completely agree yeah 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 yeah. it's if if we want to test something really narrow down what is that one feature you want to test you understand what and how you want to measure this this is a big mistake we made that you know we were testing some things like some algorithms and then we understood that but what the, what the, what the hell is the main metric we were we will be observing when we will look at that who is going to be in charge of that mm. so really you know to 
maybe spend less time on development, get uh, get it out there as soon as possible, but remember to have uh, clear actions and responsibility division. That's a great tip, cold heart, and and look at the numbers because, like you said, you know when you when you get too um, in love with with what you're building, and then when you you know passion starts coming in, then you know uh, you can spend a lot of money on on features that users will not really use. But uh, as we started speaking about products, so so what's next for your product? So you, you you've done some some first versions, made some money. Uh, looking to grow so so what do you think needs to be done to your to your product to really uh, take it to the next level yeah so uh, the, the the first year for us was you know really to to get to a position where we can show there is a business case uh, and then, then that you know that there is a reason to keep evolving this business because uh, yeah uh, Full transparency were not profitable, and and then uh, that's you know pretty much leading towards the conclusion that if we are not able to raise funding, uh, we die, and then the business ceases to exist. So you know we we really need to balance how to combine the big vision with uh, the situation today. And yeah, obviously, you know, if you're a second time founder with, with uh, you know, exit under your belt or if you come from, I don't know, five years of transfervice in a senior role, that's, that's you know, you're in a very lucky position. But 99.99% of founders are not there. So you really need to balance uh, out this, you know, today and the big vision matters. Uh, and uh, yeah, to, to us, uh, the, the big, uh, big, big, big kind of revelation is that change comes in small steps. Uh, and this uh, logic of combining something that the market already understands and needs today with something that they don't know yet, but that uh, most certainly will make a better tomorrow that will give this 10x improvement and then bridge those two things. So so for us, I think we have really done this fundamental part, which might not be so sexy, but it uh, pays most of the bills and it gets most of those investor meetings. And uh, as, as we keep progressing and are able to onboard more product people, we can really, you know, focus more on those hypotheses and experiments and then fulfilling the big vision. So so that's basically uh, the, the brutally honest way I look at it. But uh, more specifics about your uh, question, uh, what is uh, what, what keeps us up at night is uh, revelation how big opportunity the B2B side of what we are doing actually is. Because we, we see that the bank infrastructure and big lender infrastructure in Asia is completely outdated, that the IT resources as in every business are scarce and the, the development time takes months or even years. So we are working on some exciting stuff that is uh, little to no integration and that uh, really changes rules of the game so 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 yeah that's that's uh, one one big thing and uh, to spill all the beans okay that's an interesting revelation i i haven't witnessed asia too much i was uh, i was in singapore more than a year ago and my impression there was that you know it's got to be one of the most developed fintech markets out there because when you go into any kind of shop or or some place you get like 30 different payment options and uh and then what you're saying now is a bit of uh in dissonance in with what i experienced but obviously those are two very different countries but uh but yeah it was uh, it, that's why i was asking exactly yeah you fair fair point you cannot put uh, Singapore and Hong Kong in the same bucket of Asia as uh, Vietnam, Philippines, Cambodia, or countries like those. So there, there is, you know, uh, pre pre pretty, pretty clear separation between two groups. So another thing that I noticed when I was in Asia was uh, was uh, this app called Grab. You know, the, the Uber of of Asia, and it had like. 
I don't know, like eight or 10 different services on that app. And uh, I used uh, the, the actual initial like food service and they got me a McDonald's in like 10 minutes in the midnight, which was like, wow. Um, but, uh, but it made me think about, you know, whether I like to see 10 different services on one app, um, whether that's a good business model. And, and obviously, as your uh, number of users grows, you will be tempted to, uh, to, to pro probably add some more services, diversify into other businesses, and kind of uh, monetize that user base. So do you have a vision on that, um, how, to, how, to, how to leverage that? Yeah, that's a that's, uh, very good point you're making. So the fundamental logic in the core of this uh, to me is frequency of usage so the more you can get your person to use your app or your website or any other solution the more touch points and more uh, revenue generation opportunities you have so 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 this this is something that uh, was a big aha moment for us as well you know that we saw that okay people come to jeff they uh, download the app they go through the funnel uh, you know revenue events happen at certain cases etc everything cool and then we we in our android apps case uh, uh, came to a conclusion very many people are deleting the app uh, of course, first uh, reaction was frustration and then a bit of panic. But then we really understood that uh, uh, many people that we service, they have these, you know, cheap uh, Xiaomi or any other, you know, this lower cost brand of, of mobile phone, which probably has, I don't know, four gigabytes of memory, right? And uh, they, they probably get uh, 10 notifications uh, uh, that your phone is running out of memory every day and it is not like, you know, I don't know, okay, I'll just delete a thousand pictures and I'm going to be back to normal. It's, it's you know, a constant, uh, uh, constant pain. So we really came to realizing that if we want them to keep Jeff uh, on, on the app, uh, on the phone, uh, for for a long time, we need to add more utility functions, because you know it, it it makes total sense. You can be the best loan comparison in the entire world, but people need to borrow money or buy insurance only you know I don't know once per half a year, once per year, once per two years. I don't know. It depends on the segment. So so uh, what we are working on right now is really evolving Jeff from this how we call it internally Tinder for loans to Tinder for discounts so that you come to Jeff to compare loans, but you stay with Jeff because you can find all the best insurance offers. You can top up your phone internet with a bit of cash back. You can uh, open a mobile wallet account with a bonus. You can uh, find some e-commerce discounts. You know, basically, uh, like what you said about Grab, I'll add more utility functions get more revenue opportunities, and for us, especially important, get more data to build a credit score. I think uh, a logical follow-up to this question is that, you know, big news this week, uh, Square acquires Tidal, uh, a lot of uh, head scratching around around the world and uh, people saying that you know why square why not twitter if jack dorsey was to buy content and twitter is something that is missing content uh, intensively then why why square app and and i think you already started explaining why square uh, and the Cash App. Maybe you have some further thoughts on that, how how bringing such premium content company, which is, you know, not exactly killing it out there um, to this massive fintech app. Uh, what what do they have? What, 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 are, what do they know that we don't? Yeah, so, so th this is a very interesting case. Uh, uh, I, yeah, they, they did a bit of uh, analyzing on, on this. And, uh, you know, a few, few things maybe about, you know, Jack Dorsey that strikes to me when, when bringing up his name. So he's bullish on crypto and then the, everything around that. And uh, he has shown a lot of uh, uh, ability to predict the future 
but then again uh, it is very hard to predict what his what 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 is going to be his next move so you know let's let's uh, uh, roll the film back a couple months you know no one expected twitter is going to go out and suspend uh, uh donald trump and then 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 do that kind of thing uh, but but yeah that's that's you know just again shows how unpredictable he is back to the case in point though that <clears throat> uh why tweet why not twitter why square app because yeah, this this is again, you know, uh, I think we can all agree that listening to music, especially for the uh, people in digital ages, is a thing we do daily and for several hours, probably on a daily basis in our mobile phones. And imagine if you come to an app to listen music, but at the same t- uh, same app you can invest in crypto or purchase something. I don't know. Order food, maybe. It it, it, it really resonates with this uh, number of touch points. It resonates with this frequency. And I think that's a genius move. You get people in the app to uh, move to the next song. And the fast forward after two minutes, they have done two more actions that generate revenue for you as a company. And maybe tip the artist in the process. Jay Z got tipped pretty well from uh, from this deal, at least uh, he deserves it. But uh, but it's it's the same with Amazon Prime Video, right? I mean, like they invest ton of uh, money in the content, original content, like you know, competing with Netflix and some some shows and so on. All all in sense, just so you would go there, you would spend time with your product, so you would start love your product because they kind of you know you love the show, you spend time with Amazon, and then they sell you. Well, whatever they sell, you know, everything from pens to toilet paper. So that's the that's the money maker in, in, at the end of the day. Uh, but they were one of the first actually who started doing it. Who knows? Maybe this this deal is also going in 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 that direction. Remains to be seen. I think there's uh, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of skeptics out there, and uh, and uh, we'll see how that that turns out. I mean, uh, there's a lot of action going on in Jack Dorsey's life. So there's uh, you know. Twitter finally coining the subscription model idea, and now they've also launched the Spaces as a response to Clubhouse. Uh, so it 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 will it will be interesting to see how things to develop how things develop with these uh, with these strategic decisions. But um, but it certainly is a is a is a fun time for him uh, and his double triple quadruple CEO roles. And his uh, his uh, yeah, facial hair uh, choices as well. <laughs> that 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 is a, an entirely uh, different topic worth full podcast, I think. But but that's the thing, like Tom's you mentioned as well. Like if if you if you have if you have um, if you have some previous exit experience and 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 name people look at you differently. But would you imagine yourself going into investors' office with that with that beard and trying to raise money for uh, for a fintech product? I mean, yeah. I mean, first appearances are first appearances, right? But if if if, if the investor opened the door uh, and then likes what they heard and my facial hair is uh, the deal breaker well probably shouldn't partner up with those investors they they they're making judgment based on the wrong reasons i think you live in ideal world in this in this way with this answer that's how it should be but not sure if it actually works like that also not sure how it works in the zoom world then it's you know first connection appearances and what kind of books you have in your background <laughs> Yeah, that, that that that's actually a, fu- a funny thing you're you're making so earlier today. Uh, so history about Jeff is we raised money before uh, in in 2020 from uh, a syndicate of, of Estonian business angels, and uh, I th- uh, there was like 36 people in the syndicate. Probably I have met four of them. Uh, what, what, one of the guys who is my syndicate lead, he's one of the uh, most respected business angels in Finland. I have spoken to him a few dozen times. I have never met him in person. So, so this guy has invested in my company. We have spent countless hours on, on discussions, making business decisions. And yeah, so, so that's... that's uh, I'm still struggling to let that thought fully sink in. 
These are the times that we live in. These are the times. So what's your experience, actually? You said uh, Estonian business angels. So, so I, have, uh, I have some, you know, I don't have personal experience, but I've, I've heard uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of experience stories with, uh, with Latvian business angels, which, you know, haven't been very inspiring to me. Um, how's it, how's it uh, going with Estonian angels? Yeah, so about you know Latvian business angels, so you you have to be kind of uh, you know fair. I would say in a sense that we have some great Latvian angels who invested individually or through Estonian syndicate. Amazing people understand this stuff, and you know. I'm, I'm very grateful for them having faith in Jeff, but yeah, as as a, as a system, I completely agree. We we you know we uh, went to, through the trenches with the Jeff app because you know one thing I learned in my past experience was that I want to do this on my own on my own two feet, call all the shots, and that meant a lot of bootstrapping and and burning all my savings. Uh, yeah, and then we we have gotten through that so far, but yeah, we pitched to all the Latban, Litban, Estban, uh, every other band in, in, you know, uh, reasonable radius. And yeah, what, what we saw that in Latvia, we need a massive overhaul. But getting back to Estonia, yeah, uh, it's, you know, you, you can feel the impact of, of, of the ecosystem, of the amazing startups that they have there, uh, and then, then what it has kind of uh, as a snowball effect uh, done to the whole uh, uh, mindset and an ecosystem as such uh, th- those people you know they don't expect you to have hundred thousand revenue per month twenty thousand profit and maybe then they will invest you fifty uh, thousand euros for half of your company it is you know th- those guys understand that uh, you know it's it's a small ticket uh, complete readiness to lose it all and then then the uh, you know, really uh, ha- have the right mindset for that. So, uh, looking at the count of people on our cap table and looking back at how much or how little they have kind of interfered in what we do, I- I'm I'm blown away. They they have been nothing but amazing. They have uh, helped with advice and then the opening doors whenever we asked, and they haven't intruded one bit. Uh, when, when it wasn't necessary, in our opinion. Where are you incorporated, by the way? We have a Latvian legal entity only. Okay, and uh, okay, so so you're you're managing all of that uh, that that shareholders pile on your Latvian entity, yeah? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's 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 not as uh, grim of a picture as it seems, because. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, this this is you know public information. Most most of the investment is through convertible debt at this point. We actually have uh, used uh, Estonian model documents for most things we do. So 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 there's that aspect. Uh, I, I I think it's it's a good compromise from all angles because obviously those templates are more you know, polished. Uh, obviously, that's something that gives uh, much more comfort for the investors in, in, in those countries. And it is very close uh, and uh, practically 100% uh, uh, copy-pastable to Latvian uh, legal system. So, 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 yeah, I'd say that's, that's a pretty neat solution from all sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but speaking about Latvian Business Angels Network, I guess uh, not not specifically the Latban, but I mean in general the the, the 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 angels industry. I mean it's up to us to to fix it. As I see, only one solution: unicorn or or forget about it. <laughs> so yeah, you 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 know you can make some legislation improvements and government support and uh, and and some other stuff education maybe a bit a different story but all of these you know supporting initiatives for the ecosystem i don't think are going to help much if we don't get ourselves a big fat unicorn <laughs> to to slaughter and then uh sell sell to somebody and uh and then and, and make a bunch of people uh rich and then happy to lose some money in startups so 
Yeah, I mean, I fully, fully agree with that. And uh, I, I, I think uh, we are really getting close to that. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be a unicorn from where I'm standing. But yeah, it sure has to be somewhat juicy exit where the uh, setup is as it's supposed to be. That, you know, early employees get the juicy stock option package and everything along the lines. Uh, but what, what we see, I think, in many cases in Latvia is that there, there is a very big uh, behind-the-scenes concentration when it comes to shareholders, or there are some clusters, if I may call them so, you know, that, okay, they have good businesses, but they only reinvest within the closed family of, of companies. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, there is... Uh, uh, taking your point about you know this uh, unicorn or big exit, there is still some work needed on uh, kind of building this joint uh, stage, joint deal flow and ecosystem. To me, yeah, and I think it can change so fast, right? It just takes you know one one nudge, and then you know there's a ripple effect. But uh, but uh, but but we deal, we need to still get there. All right, so thanks, thanks to Oms for for joining us. It was a blast. Uh, learned a ton, and uh, and definitely felt more comfortable entering more markets, new markets after talking to you. And and probably you will have to uh, get more messages from me going uh, going forward, uh, as I I'm a bit hooked on uh, on on what you what you shared. So maybe you can uh, you can tell the listeners where they can follow you and your company, uh, as I am sure that they will want to learn more after after listening to you yeah so first of all thanks thanks for having me it was was a pleasure and an honor uh and yeah uh it's it's super easy to get in touch with uh, with with uh, me or anyone else in the company for that matter my email is that simple tom's at domain name of my company uh pretty pretty active on linkedin as well so so there's that uh, you can reach me on Skype with name that surname. So yeah, uh, very very open, uh, available, and eager to help new generation Latvian startups to to build name off of Latvia and the startup world uh, bigger, bolder, and louder. And and you're hiring each week, yeah. Well, uh, let's let's see. I think now we uh, again start to give it grudgingly, but yeah, we 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 are hiring uh, pretty pretty frequently. So. Yeah, more and more, more details on our website. Awesome, awesome. Any final words from you, Jans? No, it was really, it was really awesome conversation. And uh, yeah, if you guys liked it, uh, you know, leave us a, a review. Uh, that helps us to, you know, grow this and, and get uh, cool guys like Tuoms to, to come and share his experience, which I think was really, um, yeah, in detail and interesting. This is this is something that we kind of aspire to to have from these conversations. Thanks, Tuoms, for a really awesome uh, conversation today. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, and we are out. If you like this show, remember to leave us a rating or review. It helps other people to discover the pursuit of scrappiness. 